Hello, it's the Corona Mortis here, or Josh Castle. So there were some technical issues during the recording of this episode of Guitar Geeks. So after the intro, there is a small part of the audio that is missing, so it does cut to something else very quickly. But other than that, this is the episode with Adrian Thorpe of Thorpey Guitar Effects. Hello once again, chaps and chuppets. Welcome to another edition of the Guitar Geeks podcast. Thank you once again for joining in. Whether you are watching this on YouTube or listening along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, or wherever you prefer to listen to this podcast. So it's been a little while since we've uh, shooted an episode, but today's episode I am been looking forward to this so much as a lot of my guests have requested that I interview so here he is today so adrian thorpe thorpey from thorpey effects how are you doing my friend welcome to the show life been how has life been since that you uh are, you know covid child yeah, everything like that well covid sort of took off while we were at nam uh in 20 yeah 2020 so um we were we were out there in california just following the news and it was all a bit like hmm yes before we went and it, i don't think anyone was taking it that seriously i mean we adopted a policy of fist bumps at nam anyway prior to um you know all the face masks and all, all the rest of it that came about the reason we were doing that is because we got we got nam thrax the year before we're like look the way to do it, <laughs> you know minimize handshakes because and we, we were using um we were using alcohol gel anyway but it, it felt it, it felt alien to do that then and obviously now it feels normal but um yeah we got back and you know it all started to ramp up ramp up ramp up um and we were in the process of launching the two new pedals at the time which were the field marshal and the bunker uh anyway <clears throat> we got back and started to prepare to release all that stuff uh, and yeah the news starts to go a little bit awry but um you know it's kind of weird for people that make stuff for hobbies i think because we we have i wouldn't say benefited but i think certainly more people have got into guitar over this period and so consequently we're in a situation where we gained customers mm -hmm. uh, which we're ever so grateful for because you know we're a small business, family-run business. It, it means the world to us. So I feel bad for those industries that had to close down entirely. Uh, we, we kept going on sort of, we've, we've got a distributed model for making stuff. So we have guys that build PCBs, a part of the company, but they're, they were working from home anyway. And we've been doing that for years. Like a few retirees who didn't want to do full-time work um so our business model seemed to lend itself to the pandemic um which is a fluke <laughs> but uh, yeah it's been nice to have a growing community of um new customers and um, yeah we're grateful i was talking to tim mills when he was on the show and i was speaking to him because obviously he was in the same situation with having to furlough workers and bits and pieces that if people had to shield but he was saying as well again with the pandemic because people are at home or saving money and things like that they can spend more money so you know people will buy boutique pedals or pickups or go treat themselves to 
a new guitar, which I think I'll say places like South Bend or pickups and whatnot have just thrived in a way in this in this yeah, epidemic, I mean, epidemic. I've always felt a, a few people have asked me this question and on, on camera and, and on podcasts, and I've always felt a bit uncomfortable about it because you know I'm well aware how crap this situation's been for other people. Um on the on on the flip side, we've been able to hire two people who couldn't get work as a result of the pandemic. So well, actually, we've hired a few, a few more than that. Uh, but, you know, two full-time and several part-time. And, you know, that wouldn't happen unless people were buying the product. And I think what was happening was people would buy, they were, A, not spending on holidays or not spending on drinking or whatever it is. Um, and we were finding that they were wanting to treat themselves. And, yeah, I get it. I absolutely get it because, I've, I mean, I've done the same. I've treated myself a little bit during the pandemic we all did bought a new amplifier or whatever that i didn't really need but just wanted a little bit of escapism and it's that's really what it comes down to so you know i don't take it lightly i don't say it lightly i i really do appreciate what you know the support people have shown us and you know it it it's helped our company grow and it's helped us employ more people and you know i think that's that's a good thing absolutely absolutely so we'll we'll take it down to brass tacks. So let's talk about young Thorpey. How did young Adrian get into the music world and then ultimately start making pedals? Well, young Thorpey wasn't actually into guitar at all. I'll tell you a little funny deal. I'm not sure if I've said this publicly before, but my mum and dad bought me a guitar when I was a kid because I wanted an acu- I wanted a guitar. I thought it was really cool. My, my dad had records, lots of vinyl, which he forever tells me I used to use as frisbees. I think I ruined a very expensive bright pink pressing of an Elvis Presley thing white label I bet you got a paddle in for that yeah probably but like, <laughs> you know, that's pretty bad isn't it and uh, anyway um for whatever reason my mum and dad I think bought me the wrong guitar they bought me a left-handed guitar and I'm not left-handed and I didn't know but I was like I can't get this what's going on and you know only when I picked it up later on in life that I realised, oh, yeah, that was a left-handed guitar. What the hell? <laughs> um, anyway, I thought it was strung up, right? Um, <laughs> I, I actually was into drum and bass, techno, and heavy metal from a from during, you know my formative teenage years, and that's that was the music I used to listen to. When I, you know, I used to go clubbing at all the big clubs when I was younger, uh, but it was only when I commissioned into the army. And I found myself a little bit of time in the evenings that, that I want to learn guitar. Um, but hand in hand with that, I also want to find myself exploring the gear world, which I think lots of people do. But I just went down a slightly different route. So rather than buying everything, I, I actually just wanted to build everything. Uh, maybe I was being tight. Maybe I thought I was being clever. <laughs> but either way, that's the, that's the route I went down. So um, I got into pedal building way back when when I was a young second lieutenant and uh yeah it just carried on and carried on became an obsession and that's all cool uh a a strange period in my life and divorced remarried and it was at the point when we got remarried um or prior to that when I met my wife Georgia um we she got me back into building again so I was back building everything I could like again. And it was, I, you know, she went away for the weekend and I built like 20 pedals um, over the weekend. And um, <clears throat> she was like, how have you done this? 
And um, anyway, sold sold them on for peanuts. Um, and yeah, got back. She was, when we got married, she was like, "What we're going to do now? You're going to launch that company you've always wanted to." I was like, "Yeah, why not? Let's, Let's do, do it." it. That was it. You know, literally day after we got married, everything set up. Bob's a fish, and um, you know, easy as that. Yeah, we got a company. I say easy. I mean, it was we. We were like, "Are we going to do this? We're going to do it properly, right? We're going to do it properly." How much is the investment? It's a lot of money. All right, let's go. And we and and George is fifty percent owner of the company. She put fifty percent of the money in and does fifty percent of the work. And and in some regards, she does hundred percent of certain things because I don't want to touch it. Um, that the, the PR sort of things. <laughs> well, <I don't, laughs> no, George is very good with numbers and and organisation and just very logical thinking and. You know, she's wonderful. She's right. I'm, I'm actually really missing her at the moment because she's at home with the newborn, and uh, I feel like my arm's been chopped off. So, um, oh, yeah. it's bad because we worked together. Yeah, Bobby's got a heart. <laughs> Something like that. Swinging brick most of the time, but you know. Um, yeah. So no, that, that, so that's really how the company came about. You know, boredom led to a curiosity. Curiosity led to obsession. Obsession led to a uh, to a company you know with the right impetus you know so when you was building those like early little prototype pedals were did you find that you were just literally you know putting these pieces together did you have like a, an understanding of the electronics and components and, stuff. And, and, and yeah i mean my, my I'm, I'm gonna sound like a right geek here I've, i'm i've got three degrees uh, two master's degrees and a, an undergraduate degree, and they're all in engineering subjects. So yeah. I, I, I like academic challenge. And so for me, I was enjoying just learning. It's, it's maths, it's physics, it's, it's, it's all of this. Um, and so do I fully understand it? I don't think you ever fully understand these things. I mean, most people kid themselves and tell them. I never. failed physics in my A-levels, so I can't I can't tell them. <laughs> it's quite hard, you know, physics A-levels, nails. I mean, the, the worst thing is you do these things, you think, oh, yeah, that'd be a good idea. And you realise it's just maths with a different title. Yeah. Uh, um, and it didn't help that I failed maths at GCSE. So. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing physics level four then. That's the, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. Just, just like, it failed by maths GCSE. And they were like, why, like, why are you doing physics? And I was like, well, they didn't say I couldn't do it. I just thought it was like, you know, fucking doing loft insulation and bullshit like that. And I was like, I didn't think it was fucking like maths, but like. Uh, <laughs> You got six <laughs> right up. <laughs> you can imagine my first like lesson back in that. I was just like, "What the fuck have I gotten into here?" <laughs> yeah. No, that's not good. <laughs> oh well, yeah. So no, I, I, I got. I think. I think for me with the electronics, I just got obsessed with it. So from from the very off, like I was like, right, what are the best sort of capacitors I can get for this? Uh, what are the best sort of resistors? How can I lower the tolerance? How can I lower the noise floor? We ju I just approached all of that very, very logically and methodically and just trying to understand that the, the whole picture is, a, is is made up from like little pieces of improvement. It's like the Dave Brails thing, yeah. you know? You know, 1% change here, 1% change there, and you end up with a, a massive amount of difference. Um, and so that's just how I approached it. I, I, I mean, I still, I see spaghetti builds all the time where people have just put half a ton of wire into the pedal and it's like 
why have you done that? I mean, that's crazy. Um, but it works for some people. It's just, I know what my obsessions are like and I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So all my bills, even the early ones are like really neat, mostly. I mean, they're, they're absolute units as well. The the pedals are just feel like they could they could literally take bullets and bombs. <laughs> well, that that the whole point of the the pedals we 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 uh, released as a, as under the Thorpey brand was just to make sure that you know, I yeah I weigh twenty odd stone, nineteen stone, twenty stone, and you know I just wanted it to be really robust, but. I mean, some of that comes from the fact that I've been involved with military testing and seeing what everything has to go through. Um, it's really quite rigorous and in a way that you wouldn't necessarily think. So, you know. It lends itself to sort of like going hand in hand. Good side skill, you know. Helps yeah, you absolutely. So can you remember like the first pedal that you built? Was it like the typical, like, I'm going to make a tube screamer style pedal or was it kind of hitting and hoping? No, no, no. The first, so the first pedal I made, I, I, I've been quite public about this, it didn't work. You know, the first pedal I made was a Dallas Arbiter Rangemaster. I wanted to buy one because I wanted to be Brian May or Eric Clapton or whatever. And I was neither of those individuals. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I built the thing. I thought, right, I'll get the right. I mean, the, the worst thing about it is I ended up selling the pedal, uh, but I'd sourced everything to the, the nth degree. So it had a Yellow Jacket OC44 transistor in it, which I wish I still had, because that thing's amazing. It was amazing and, you know, like really hard to get hold of. I just went like, oh, right, what capacitors they're using? Oh, they're using Alan Bradley resistors, right? The carbon comp went properly into it. Uh, and then it still didn't work. So um, I just got the polarity. Uh, scheme the wrong way around so <laughs> failure there was good because it meant that i could uh learn from that and actually it helped me go deep dive on it and and work it out it's and then the sort of like the learning curve just gradually got smoother and smoother and smoother and then now you just say banging out such ergonomic products whether it's thorpey whether it's red beard you know it's just everything's great it looks easy, right? Because we only present we only present our successes really for sale. But I mean, you got to bear in mind that you know it's something like the Paul Stoppler that we just released is a really complex piece, and that took ages. Yeah, you know, I'm pulling my hair out as much as the next man. Uh, maybe not as much as yourself, obviously. Um, <laughs> if I had hair to pull, yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm, but, used, uh, I'm used to it. <laughs> Hey, listen, I have to, I, I'm not saying this to flex. I have to have my hair thinned out because I, I, for whatever reason, I think I'm just like super pubic. I've just got full on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, uh, yeah, it takes ages. I mean, I mean the Paul Stoppler has taken a long, long time. I mean, the Angry Rhubarb, that had about six million versions. We, we make a joke and say, oh, it was the version two what, that got released. And it is, but... You know, there were several iterations before that. It's just... It's, it's not what... I'll be honest, it's not what I was expecting because, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with Mikey. I've got I've got a honey badger myself. I love it. Yeah. I fucking love that pedal so much. And uh, when they were... He put the post, I think it was about two months ago, saying, oh, if you can name the pedal, 
you know, we'll we'll give you one. And this angry rhubarb just <laughs> it's just not what you would expect. <laughs> no one was going to guess that. That there no is one. zero like the odds are, I mean I mean well, what do they say, you know, give a monkey a typewriter and eventually, you know, a hundred thousand million monkeys or whatever it is, they'll write Shakespeare. But you know, even if you took away those odds, the, the likelihood of someone guessing that it's angry <laughs> rhubarb, a random British fruit. <laughs> with, a, with an emotional problem yeah no one's here <laughs> it, uh, I, I did see it and i was like oh it's pink I'm like, this is going to be interesting i just saw angry rhubarb and i was like oh, okay yeah that explains it it's the right color as well for that oh yeah, yeah. enough so while we're on the subject let's talk let's talk red beard because yeah. uh the this is, Bob, we're filming this on a Thursday. On Saturday this week, the podcast of Mikey Demas goes by. So, of course, when I had him, I could not speak about Red Beard. I've had his side of working things. Let's have kind of your side of working things with Red Beard. Yeah, okay. Um, so, me and Mikey met uh, a guitar show, of all things, actually. Um, my daughter just been born, so it's... But it's just was that the UK? No, it wasn't the UK guitar show because Red Bean was already the Manson one. So it's about three and a half years ago now. Okay, um, yeah. Um, and I was introduced to him by a good a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, James Deacon, who is the Orange Amplifiers salesman. And he said, "Oh, this is Mikey. Mikey, you need to see these pedals." We've got a tiny booth there at the time um, uh, and a tiny baby with us who had just been born, Eleanor. And uh, yeah, I met Mikey, got on really well, wanted him to have pedals, so um, it gave him the veteran. And um, yeah, we just became friends. And then he, I can't remember what timeline it was, but essentially he was like, I, I want to do my own pedals. I've been in the music industry for a long, long time got a lot of ideas. I want to do my own pedals. I was like, all right, cool. What do you want? Do you want advice or do you want a way to do it? You know, choose a route. And it, and it, you know, he doesn't have the most time at the best of times. He's a professional musician. I mean, admittedly the pandemic's had a bit of a, you know, a negative effect on that side of things, but he's a busy man. I mean, like, absolutely when we were getting this off the ground, it was prior to pandemic and, you know, I'm like, where are you? I'm in Spain. Oh, where are you? I'm in France. Where are you? Germany. Do, do, do. And you yeah. know, it was like literally day after day after day, he was either on a plane or on a thingy. So it's quite hard to get hold of him when we started doing it, but he was there. I can't, I've got a Morris work ethic because he'd be on stage, come off stage, chill for a minute and then start designing stuff, you know? So he's doing all the aesthetics and everything. And I, you know, we've got a shared job you know um dropbox type thing and a cloud and uh you know he was just absolutely smashing it out of the park but we went down the route of where we are which is to go 50 50 in business he's got skin in the game so have i we make them but you know he's also a monster at the soldering iron and we just wanted to do things that are a little bit different we, do, we don't really like it's the same with the Thorpey brand as well. I'm not really keen. I could do a clone of this, a clone of that. I've been asked, why aren't you doing a clone? I don't want to. You like know, the, uh, the whole Jaffard thing. Oh, it would, everyone does a clone because everyone can sell them, I guess. I just, I guess I could sell, if I did a clone clone, I could probably sell it, but I don't really want to. It's just not for me. So everything, 
everything we do, we want to have a passion behind and, and hope that that comes across in the product, you know? So it, the Redbeard stuff is, is, a, is different because it's a passion of Mikey's and it's a passion of mine. So we've both got to like it. And we come from totally different places. You know, the guy's a professional musician and I'm a wannabe musician. <laughs> you know? So Chalk and it, cheese. You know, he has experiences in that regard that I'll never get. I'm too old I'm, I'm, and I'm not good enough to do it. Um, and I haven't put the graft in when I was young. I was doing something else. So he brings to the party something that I don't have. But likewise, you know, I obviously bring what I bring to the party. And, um, yeah, it works really well. It's, it's good, I think. What have you enjoyed working on the most with him? Was it the Badger, the Mist, or the Rhubarb? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I think, I think the one that had the most sort of euphoric sort of fight like like yeah this is it it's probably the angry rhubarb okay and it's always there's this it's always this point when you go yeah it nailed it right and and that was there for the honey badger it was there for the red mist and um you know touch wood it'll be there for the next one as well but it's because like the, the with the red beard range it, it fits into that category that kind of the thorpey brand doesn't do because i mean you know don't get me wrong the thorpey stuff is fantastic but you look at like say the red mist and the the honey badger it's kind of it's thorpey-esque but it's also got that little bit of extra chili sauce so to speak yeah i think that makes sense i mean that's really where we're at you know it's uh we're not trying to polarize anyone by the way you know we for instance angry rhubarb isn't that pedal is an absolute beast because it can do anything from a fender clean like a really good fender clean as well it sounds just like a deluxe reverb um, and all the way through to sort of a modded Marshall, you know, that all in the one, the one pedal and, and respond like, uh, sort of like an amp does. And I think for me, the, the Angry Rhubarb's probably my favorite one that I've worked with Mikey and I'll, I'll tell you why. Trying to do anything during a pandemic is really hard, right? Trying to succeed during the pandemic has been really hard. Having your business partner, like absolutely smashing it out and building these things has been awesome. You know because because he, he's been building them because we are, we've obviously got the thorpey stuff to run as well yeah. so he'd be coming down to the unit and and, and soldering you know or if you do work, working from home soldering i don't think people realize that he's you know i think he did he did post from. a video on his instagram didn't he i think he posted a story where he's he's he put a time that soldering away yes and he's an absolute monster that man because he just doesn't know when to stop <laughs> yeah, great we're very similar in that regard. I mean, we both tell you, like, I'll be in work and he's, he's working. And we're like, what time is it? Oh, it's, it's half 10, 11 o'clock. We really ought to not be here. You know, but <laughs> it, it's fine. It seems, it seems to work really well. And, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful to have a business partner who gives a damn, you know, and yep. he does. You know, he I does. think, especially I've noticed in the last sort of five years now, so many more people now are going down the avenues of, I'm going to make my own guitar brand. I'm going to make my own pedal brand. I'm going to make my own blah, 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 blah brand. It's definitely becoming, you know, usually you'd be a musician, you turn up, you play the gig, you go home. Now it's just like there's so many hands in so many pies. Of, of, yeah, of, I, th I, think, I think you're right. I, I'll suggest this and I might be wrong and I'm happy to be shot down if I am wrong. I think I would suggest with, with regards to the Redbeard stuff, probably, probably the only brand 
where the you know the musician owner does everything within the company as well you know he builds this isn't yeah. turkey he's part of it yeah so it's not just the name and the face of the brand he is he is yeah the brand, he's not, you know like i say mikey knows this he doesn't need me to blow smoke up his backside but you know he's no prima donna he does that he does the graft and whether that's and that shows in the music because you know skindred's you know i love skindred but they're not ed sheeran you know yeah. that they, they they sit apart in a, in a separate genre you know and yeah and that requires graft and a tenacity. Um, so I think that's where really where the red beard stuff comes from. We're trying to do things that are yeah, tenacious. I like that word. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good word to that. All right, if, if that's going to get put in a pedal, the tenacious D or something like that. Probably done for <laughs> yeah, coffee, someone, right? I, I'm just swear someone else has used tenacious D. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure actually. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll come back to. Pete. So, <clears throat> what's been the biggest surprise that you, when working as part of the brand, essentially, where you've took that step back and gone, shit, I didn't expect that kind of, you know, whether it's working with someone, whether you've seen a picture of a pedal board and you, you know, Thorpey's repping on the pedal board. What's been that moment? There's loads, honestly, loads of these moments. Like, I'm really grateful. <laughs> that is the case I, I, there's never any silver bullet to succeed in but it is just sort of all these little moments add up um i've you know i've had loads of really cool sort of introductions to people and most of the people we've met have been really awesome i had some really weird moments where like i've heard a pedal being used at glastonbury and i'm like wow <laughs> you know this is a huge stage and you can hear the pedal kicking and you're like oh okay that's you know so i mean i my funniest one is the fact that Lloyd Grossman bought one of the um, uh, early gunshot pedals. Okay. Uh, and that I found that really, a, it's kind of cool because he's got his own punk style band and um, also makes quite nice pasta sauce. So, you know, um, so that was a, that's a surreal moment, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's been lots of those little moments. Getting to work in a friendly industry Having worked in a, a it, you know, the military is friendly, generally, although it's not perceived necessarily as, so. <laughs> um, and also to be totally 180 from what I was doing before is just awesome. It's, it, it, I think it made me realise that you know, if you just want to do it, you just do it. it. It that, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It's nice to be able to do two things, yeah. to have, have a second career and and actually succeed. I mean, it, it speaks volumes as well because every person that I ever spoken to, like I'm, you know, I'm good friends with Rabia, obviously friends with Mikey and Phil, and speaking to Chappers and other. Like I've never ever heard anybody say a bad thing about you. Everyone, everyone always says, "Oh, love Thorpe, love Thorpe, love Thorpe, love Thorpe," and well, that's really quite humbling. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Which, yeah, but, which I guess, you know, I guess from your perspective, because sometimes you really think, oh, I'm just, I'm just running a business. I'm, you know, just bobbed down the road, so to speak. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I would suggest this. I mean, we, people buy from people. I think, you know, that's generally, especially when you're talking small business. Yeah. And, you know, we all want to succeed in life, don't we? Uh, 
and I think what I initially when we were going to launch this I wanted to keep my personality and me away from the brand and actually Dan Steinhardt told me that that was a mistake he said don't do that that's a terrible mistake find a way because I was still serving at the time that's why I wanted to keep it separate he said find a way yeah. and make sure that your personality and and your brand are linked uh you know that's invaluable advice absolutely really you know unless you're an absolute idiot and you know there are certain there are certain like people out there and you know youtube channels or whether it's instagram guitarists and things like that where you can kind of tell that everything is forced and yeah i mean you don't that's... see the natural personality yeah i mean maybe that's a case of faking it till you make it because mm. um, you know that's the thing you know some people some people just want to i'm never really portray- i think when i was younger i tried to portray an image of myself which you know might not have been the best who i really am who i really am uh, but but that's because i thought i needed to because of the industry um i was the, i was in but as you get older, you, you care less about that. And you just want to be who you are and, and hope that people take you for who you are. Absolutely. Um, and if they don't, fuck them. Well, I mean, you can't control it. So absolutely, I worry about it. But, you know, I, I'm grateful to work in an industry that's full of cool people, you know. I've, especially during the pandemic at the moment, I've realised that all of musicians have had each other's backs with everything. You haven't seen... You know, especially like, you know, I guess in the rock and metal community and stuff like that, everybody is grouped together to try and support one another and say, well, no, we're not backing down. We're not going to go and get business jobs or whatever the government wants. We are sticking to what we do. It's our career. It's it's our livelihood, isn't it? I think people, met, you know, I think the government made a mistake with that that advertising thing. I mean, if you if you follow the news, um, you know, you could, you know, she was a ballet dancer, she could go and work in IT, yeah, great. I think it's just bad timing to release that advert, really. And, but um, musicians, it's a, it's a vocation. You know, you're, you're hard-pressed to pull someone away from a vocation, whether it's a nurse, whether it's a soldier, whether it's a, you know, whatever it is. You know, I would put a musician or an artist in, in the same category. It's a vocation. It's not a job. Mm. It, people wanting to do something that's um, fulfilling uh, per, both personally and, and you know, um, through life. So, I don't know, you, you know, I'm glad that people have got each other's backs. I'm glad people support each other. You know, it's nice to see. It really is. And I think everyone's going to go absolutely mental when the gigs come back. Oh, yeah. I'm literally like, I mean, my plan obviously with Guitar Geeks is to take, you know, take it on the road and whenever bands are in Birmingham, my local area, I want to do face-to-face interviews. Because to be honest, it's, it's okay doing it over Zoom, if, but, you know, I'd much rather obviously be able to do it in person. And when that does kick off, the, the, the sexist is going to go and go yeah. soaring. Oh, good. I mean, yeah, I can see why, you know, face-to-face you get, <clears throat> you know, you get a little bit more... Um, interaction i guess absolutely so we can't talk about the highs of thorpe and and redbeard without talking about some of the lows because it's always when you hit some of the low points especially if you're having your own business that you do find where you learn the most and 
I'm sure as a business owner, you've had those low points with running Thorpe as well. Yeah, yeah, we have. I mean, I think I wear my heart on my sleeve. So some some of that um, is my fault. You know, if, if you take some criticism, you know, you can't please everyone. And although I do want to, you know, with regards to the product, unfortunately, some people are a little bit vociferous with their... Uh, the way they approach criticism and mm. i think some customers are more vocal and a little bit more difficult to deal with on the whole it's 99.999 percent awesome but that point zero zero one percent difficulty i have is i end up focusing on those and that's taken you know that requires uh, a little bit of a slap around the face really to sort of uh yourself away from that and you know and it happens all the time like i am human like everyone else i struggle to sort of sometimes see the wood for the trees you know yeah. if you and if i see a negative comment like you know I, you know it's hard i also feel like it you know i fail sometimes if you know say something goes wrong it's you know it's hard not to beat yourself up but that's just human life you know human nature and uh, I, what are you going to do? There's nothing that can be done about it. You just have to sort of accept that, you know. There's probably not like a YouTuber out there. I mean, you could probably look, take, you know, for beer or chat, you know, Rob Chapman or like Jared Dines or, you know, even probably people like Peter Honore and whatnot. You know, they all, they are all somewhere going to have people that uh, have those those bad points and I think a lot of musicians now because let's be fair a lot of people now want to work on YouTube they want to be those famous YouTube musicians and like you say when you get those negative comments it's all you will focus on and you can put so much energy into trying to do everything to not get those negative comments but then what you're going to do then is always going to get you another negative yeah I mean it's living with it I mean I'm <laughs> It happens. Some people just want to do that. They want to poke the bear. You know, it's it's fine, I guess. I mean, it, until it's not, you know, it really affects some people. Mm. Some people get, you know, like, oh, brush it off. I mean, you know, most most of the time, you won't get that sort of behaviour face-to-face or even over the phone. And people are quite happy any, to... Any person that says it to you face-to-face is one brave motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I'm a nice guy. I just... Uh, <laughs> Of quick temper, <laughs> you know. I, I, no one's, no one wants to say this stuff to your face, really. And if, and if they do, they've got some serious issues. Absolutely, you know, Absolutely. It's, not, it's not necessary. And, and ultimately, you know, this is supposed to be like what it's a tool for making music, you know, or it's something around a hobby. Mm. Don't get so excited about about these things, you know. Try and put your energy somewhere else. <laughs> <rather> than, <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> you know, but brands suffer the same way. There's a few brands that have really, and people that have messed themselves up by going on, you know, going on YouTube and making comments when they're really in a far too emotional state. You know, you need to step away from the keyboard, lock it away, and then come back to it when you can't. Come back, you know, sort of re- uh... <laughs> Reevaluate is that the right word? Reevaluate what you're thinking and yeah. approach. Never, it never send anything angry. 
Not an email, not a message, nothing. Just yeah, I, I can put my hands up and say I've done that before and it did not go well. It never goes well. <laughs> if the other person, you, you're hitting them cold. I mean, mm. I learned that lesson very long time ago when I was, I was, I was uh, again, I was a lieutenant. I just sent something to someone who, I, who outranked me considerably. You know, I got no place to be gobbing off like that and I, I found out I wasn't supposed to. Very, uh, very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Just got put slapped back down. It's fine. <laughs> Lesson quite quickly. So let's talk, I guess, you know, let's talk military days because I always say anybody that does service, whether it's the Army, whether it's the RAF, Marines, etc., always deserves some massive credit for, let's be fair, putting their heart and soul and their lives on the line for a country. I agree with you mostly apart from the RAF. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. We apologise. We apologise. Any RAF vendors that would do. Uh, listen. <laughs> I'm just. A, I'm just a wannabe RAF because I, I actually initially wanted to join the RAF. I wanted to be a pilot. Um, so I, 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 we. It's just a thing. The army always take the Mickey out of the RAF. The navy always take the Mickey out of the RAF. The Marines take the Mickey. Out, everyone takes the Mickey out of the RAF. That's the way it goes. And it's because they taxi us everywhere and do it very badly. <laughs> I've got one of our family friends. He was in the uh, he was in the navy, and yeah. he's fucking like he's like six foot seven. He's built like a brick shit house. And I was yeah, just, have his own boat. Huh? <laughs> have his own boat. <laughs> yeah. And I was always saying, I bet the you know that he was used to use you as Mister Bottom and stuff like that. You know, just making little digs at him. And but he's a, he's a police officer now, and it's just like anyone that wants to try and start on him, like fucking credit to you. See the problem. The problem he will suffer from is it, it won't be most people who would want to start on him. It'd be the there'll be little guys who drank too much. Yeah, the little it, man complex. It, it, you know, everyone gets it, but it, that's where he'll suffer from. It, you know, someone wants to have a go at the big copper. You know, but uh, no, anyway, I appreciate your sentiment. I was just, I just wanted to take the Mickey out of the RAF, really. <laughs> <laughs> Was the army something that you like? You've always wanted to do, or was it literally just like you know, sixteen looking for something to do? Yeah, so I'm I'm a victim of um, my father having served, and you know, seeing all the pictures and hearing his stories as I grew up, and just it just sounded like a right laugh. You know, <laughs> so that, that's really what kicks off, and you know, when that that sort of interest is sparked in you very early on, um, it really sends you down a route. But the other thing is, I grew up on a council estate uh, in. Uh, and you know not a lot of opportunity really um just seemed to be a little bit of generational malaise where we were we moved away from that estate and um i was doing well at school and i just it, for me i just wanted to escape a little bit that's really what it came to that came down to um i was gonna i wanted to join the raf uh, as a pilot couldn't because my eyesight is terrible um i've got contacts in by the way so it, <laughs> you can't necessarily tell but yeah um yeah he had and, that lazy eye duck straight years ago <laughs> no, exactly. um so you know i just i just i thought you know what the armed forces for me would be a, a good way to become fully qualified give a little bit of back time back uh and, and sort of raise my game in life and that, that's really why i joined um and i got you know i i actually past rcb or reduced our regular commissioning board selection of 15 and a half so it's 15 and a half 
and uh, went to a military college called Welbeck College, uh, which was for technical officers to go and do sort of engineering subjects uh, and then go to university, go to Sandhurst and, and, and get in. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't... Oh, I guess it was baked in me from an early age, but it was also the op it was the opportunity to yeah. succeed that I saw, and I'm grateful for that because it's unusual. It's very rare that, like, you can find somebody that hasn't had a member of the family that hasn't been involved in some form of, you know, background in the the armed services. My I think it was my great great granddad. Like he was a soldier in World War Two, and I only found this story out through my nan. And um, he, he had a, a leg blown off somewhere in northern France, somewhere during World War Two. And um, yeah. a German soldier found him in the field and took him to a British camp where he was saved and healed. And then I was, he went to a place in Birmingham that was for like wounded soldiers. And that that's kind of like my only uh, knowledge of anything to do with my family in. The, the services and it's quite a weird story as well no it's, it's I, I say it's entirely entirely normal i mean when you look at um our, our generation so i'm i'm 40 this year uh you know so you know my father's you know 30 years older than me and then it's his dad his dad's generation pretty much everyone served because you either were in second world war or you're doing national service yeah so so you know People of my age, my our grandparents, pretty much have all served, of uh, in in, a, in, a, in some form, or, or you know to a degree. And uh, you know that my my dad went on to become um, he, he became a tanky uh, during the Cold War. Um, you know, it, 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 I guess it's just a it's a it's a different career. You know, absolutely. You give, you give a little bit back of yourself. And you gain so that about the NHS, but it's also completely different at the same time. <laughs> it's probably very similar. Yeah, <laughs> it's got the same bureaucracy and the bureaucratic issues, and yeah. and uh, yeah, but let's not go there. We'll go down a right sort of yeah. And, and the Guitar Geeks podcast now has no viewers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, there's always going to be politics and bureaucracy wherever you go. Unfortunately. <laughs> Well, listen. No, no one goes to work wanting to do a bad job. I would, I would, I would say that's a very good phrase to sort of stick to. There are obviously exceptions to that. Some people obviously like to test that rule, but I think the majority of people, no matter where you work, nobody goes to work wanting to do a bad job. Absolutely. Uh, right. So you know, be it the NHS. I mean, the my wife and child, both children, uh, recently. And my son as well, you know, have all been saved by the NHS. You know, they just wouldn't be here. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think I think they're a, it's a good organisation. It really is. Do you have highlights that you look back on from the army days? Yeah, and, and reminisce. Yeah, absolutely. Did yeah. you have like this is going to sound like really queer? Were the moments where you literally just kind of took your breath away if you were serving somewhere or i've been some places in the world where i've gone like oh god this is horrible uh i've been to places in the world where i've gone oh my god how can this be so beautiful and weirdly i've been in places where the, the two things exist all at the same time you know and it's uh 
I think I think there's a fundamental in that, you know, wherever you go, humans are just human. They just want to survive. They just want to get on. They want the best for the children. It's the same wherever you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah, I've been quite lucky to travel quite a lot because that's I, I would suggest that that's a really good lesson. For, I wish most people most people would get the opportunity to learn that, you know, rather than being a little bit sort of blinkered and, and focused on what's going on down your street or, you know, Introverted or whatever. Yeah, it'd be a better, better world if more people, uh, you know, saw that we're all just the same. Yeah, pretty much. No matter where you are. Pretty much, yeah. Right. We spoke these about this before the podcast started. Let's talk cars. Let's talk motors and motorsport and God knows whatever else, because that's another big sort of love in your life. Yeah, I like going fast. Um, who, do, who doesn't i mean for me i do a lot of karting so i enjoy yeah. more of the the competitive what's cc parts uh it varies on the places go i do a lot of mainly indoor karting so there i'll see usually like two strokes or you know stuff like that but there's a couple of places where i've i think they're four and like you're just hanging on for dear fucking life <laughs> I, love that. I mean i've done 400ccs near here actually uh Milton Keynes have got a 400 cc car yeah the uh, the D Max uh, ones yeah. there I had a huge crash there uh not last year the year before it's the only time I've crashed and I've nearly shit myself <laughs> I'm assuming because I'm assuming then that you've raced that track yeah or you can at least remember it or whatever so you know kind of like no as you where you get in the carts you've got that pit down and there's just there's a, like a left hand sweeper at the start of the, the track okay. at the start finish line I was just there doing one of the uh, the forty minute races, uh, done the qualifying and whatnot, and I happily just you know casually going along mid mid of the middle of the pack, and then all of a sudden I just took way too much curb, and as the back stepped out, I went to correct it with some opposite lockings, went bosh straight into the armco, and I ended up all all the way under the tire wall, <laughs> broken. Ooh. I broke that. I broke my helmet. I've got scars on my hands from it, and my legs were actually underneath the barrier. Oh my god! How yeah. the fuck I didn't have broken legs by the end of it was some of it was fucking a miracle. I mean, I mean, I've always at a disadvantage because I carry quite a lot of extra ballast when I go to karting. But I mean, four hundred cc cars, no matter how much you weigh, it's still fast. You've uh, got the extra grip in the corner, so you're all right. That is true. That is true. Yeah, you've got the, <laughs> you've got the traction, but you just lack the acceleration. Yeah, so just got to keep the keep foot planted. Be brave. Um, yeah. Was it like the like muscle cars of the seventies and the eighties that kind of drew you into that? No, no, no. I'm actually really into Japanese cars. Uh, the J like the JDM culture. Yeah, yeah, I really like them, and um, I, Japanese and German. I'm a real big fan of sort of BMW and uh, and JDM cars. So I've got a few. What's uh, what's usually if you're taking a nice Sunday little day out? What you're taking? <laughs> I I have a I have a Nissan GTR that's 800 horsepower. Yes, I know because I I think I have seen it. It's not it's not it's not subtle. It's uh it's fast. Um, it's dream car for me. It's a it's been tuned um obviously, but it's is it it's, one of the because they have the is it um is it the GTR black isn't it I think. So this one's a um, 
it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a company in the UK called Litchfield, and they do. I've heard the name. They do tuning, and they, what they do is they'll take the pinnacle of a car and then take it to the next level. So this yeah. has had that treatment, and it's a special edition, one of twenty. Um, but um, yeah, it's fast. It's totally impractical. Um, scares the living crap out of me. But the, the thing <laughs> about it is, <clears throat> it's it's nothing to do with guitars. It's nothing to do with work. You get in there, you're focused entirely on what you're doing, and you know, uh, you know, it's it's enjoyable. So that that's taking it to a track day at like Castle Coombe or Silverstone. You no, know I'm not going to. I, I, why? It's too fast. It's too loud. And it'll. I know. I, I know there are people that can take them around tracks really, really well, but that's not me. I'm not good enough yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you a little funny. We've we've got a Mercedes, and um, while we were waiting for it to be delivered because they fucked up and ordered the wrong one, and the one that we'd actually ordered wasn't in the country. Um, I, I'm still on a provisional license and I'm probably going to get into a lot of shit for saying this story. So, so when we was waiting for it, uh, we took in a higher car and to apologise, they gave us a C63 AMG. AMG. Yes. <laughs> and of course, you know what, there's like 6.3 by turbos. Yeah, they, 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 they shift. They fucking shift. And um, so, of course, my, like my stepdad was just like, "Oh, it's it's too much power because you can constantly feel like, come on, let's go, let's go." And then uh, I was like, "Come on, let me have a go, let me have a go," because I was on my provisional and a, and a little go, and I managed to just kick the ass out around a roundabout, and it was just like, "Pull over, that's it, you're done." And I was like, oh, "Come on." Yeah, how bad would you have felt though ditching that? I mean, it's like a hundred grand car, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the noise of. Um, I prefer the 2012 ones where they had the black, the, the black edition and yeah. the noise they make. It's, oh. There's, they're really what, easy to tune as well. Like they, you can get big horsepower out of those cars. You see some of them now going for like 25, 30 grand, the black edition ones. But the only problem is, is you know, some of them probably haven't been massively looked after. The, so the difficulty with those sort of cars is like they still Mercedes and they're yeah. still you know so you buy them for 25 grand you still you still got to service them and yeah it's going to cost a lot of money that's a cost within itself yeah, yeah, yeah just to keep the things on the road it, it, it's priced very high um i mean i love cars cars are a bit of a passion of mine you know and um but i'm well aware that you know it's an unnecessary luxury what was really. your first car it was a ford escort was ah uh, was it one of the old like what probably wasn't the Cosworth but one of those? <laughs> it was a five door, five door family car with the Christian fish symbol on the back, which I dare say <laughs> not because I was superstitious of. Uh, so the car was called I called it the fish. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was my first car, and the second car I bought a Rover BRM, which was a special edition two hundred series thing. Full red leather interior, uh, K series engines, quite fast actually. Uh, 145 brake horsepower, um, and that was a little go kart. That was all, actually a really nice car, mate. And they, uh, it, it, if it wasn't for the whole sort of rust thing, uh, I probably would have just kept that and collected it because <laughs> uh, they're going for they're going up in price, I think. Um, mm. And then I then I got um, on the Civic. 
uh, no, I had a, I, I did Banganomics for a little while. I had, a, I had like a 400 quid Peugeot. Like a little Peugeot 106 or something. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, the great thing about it is it costs nothing to run. Um, and the cam belt snapped on that. Uh, <laughs> so that was bad. Um, and then, yeah, then I, then I started a family. So I bought, bought some, de- ended up with a decent Honda Civic. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. And then it's like, fuck it. Well, I just had the opportunity, uh, uh, family, a uh, bit of money through the family um, uh, inheritance. So um, it's also, I guess, like a car like that is it is an investment. Well, I guess so. I mean, I was, you know, buy something you, you're not going to buy of your with your own money sketch. So, all right, fine. That's 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 a very good way to look at it. You know, it wasn't you know it, it you do kind of you, you almost like guess had to say well i'm not going to have this x amount of money ever again so it's just like well why not well maybe um, <laughs> I mean, it, it just it was just a caveat that was placed you know it's like you can have it but you need to make sure that you buy something you want so <laughs> went, out and, went out and bought my dream car so um, i can't blame you i would do the same if i had the money yeah, I just baby it though. I don't. I say baby it. I drive it, but like, uh, I, I, there's a limit on how many miles I do. I'd love like. There's no point in me trying to even get my dream car because I know I'd need to win the fucking millionaire's lottery because I'd love a Stratos. I would kill, really. I would love a Stratos, and then have, it, the yeah. have have the engine done and the whole all the suspension upgraded and body work kit cars of them are amazing yeah because like, there's a company that's a kit car from like 500 grand don't there or some, uh yeah they're um they're like a resto mod aren't they like, yeah no i think there's it's quite an interesting thing in the car scene at the moment because like you know back in the 90s and everything it was all about so i guess jdm cars big wings big you know unsubtle yeah. as hell and all the rest of it and now it's all either focused on performance or focused on just sort of i guess just chilling driving like you know like yeah. you look at porsche things like singer porsches uh they're like old school looking porsches with like modern accoutrements and it's yeah. just all about the the slow drive i guess so almost like it. the grand tour uh, yeah aspect yeah. of cars seems to be it's quite nice it's a good scene it, it's a really good scene i think you know I, my daily driver is an interesting one because no matter who you are, if you're into cars, no matter what part of the spectrum you are, you, people seem to like it. So um, I've, I've got a Toyota Yaris G, GR, which is a oh yeah, yeah. A rally homologation thing. That's my daily driver. And uh, yeah, you've got people who have, you can afford supercars buying them and you've got people who, uh, you know, it's like second or third car and, and they're, in, and they're yeah. buying them. It's like the Peugeot 106 rally. It's that sort of stripped back, uh, focused on the feeling and enjoying thing. It's like the cool. old sort of like the V6 Clios were all yeah, and... exactly like that. You know, they're, yeah, they're rare these sort of cars. Like in in the, the, the those sort of cars don't exist anymore because all the safety stuff. It's like this one comes along and it's like, oh, you've made this amazing. <laughs> uh, which I think is why everyone's got into it. Like, oh wow. 
so the, the you know there's obviously been that huge phase and i guess there still is of people buying like st focuses and and fiestas but i think the biggest problem with them is that they're so easy to rob especially yeah i've heard that something about the ovd port and you can just you just stick something in and totally overwrite everything yeah that's so not great. I, I i think i would stay away from one of those i have to say i i get a lot of stick for saying this to one of my friends because one of my friends is a really big car nut like he's he's so anal with it it's ridiculous and uh i said i would love a 500 bath because i think those things would be fantastic fun it's like why would you have a fiat 500 it's just a glorified fiat 500 but it's a little the bath engine and it'd just be great fun if I didn't look like Krusty the Clown riding around in his uh, clown mobile, I would have had one of those. Like that episode of this, you think it's fun to make fun of a man in a automobile? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're incredible. Like, um, they're very small, they're very light, and they've got quite a lot of horsepower, and so they're just go-karts again. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing wrong with them, regardless of whether it's a Fiat 500. Bear in mind that Fiat... And all the rest of it. I think they all share a platform, so it could, it might. I think there's well, that share. Well, Fiat own Ferrari, so. Well, yeah, and and a few others as well. So, um, yeah, it's not a bad car at all, really. And they look cool. They look really aggressive. Yeah, um, it's like it's like a Lamborghini in disguise. <laughs> maybe not that, but. Is <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that that skit from Top Gear when Clarkson was like, "I'm a Lamborghini. I am. I promise." <laughs> Yeah, so no, I, I think uh, being a petrol head's an interesting one. I mean, I used to ride bikes, but I just, I don't, I don't know, family commitments, all the rest of it. I just, I, 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 I haven't got the time or the inclination. My wife wouldn't be very happy with it. Either. So, would you, if you're saying about petrol head, would you have an Alpha? Yeah, quadru- uh, uh, Julia, I can't quadru- pronounce it. Quad- Quadrifolio. Yeah, I'd like one of those. One of my first memories as a kid was watching the uh, touring cars and the Alpha One Five Five touring car. Ah, oh, I loved yes. that car. The red as one. A kid. Yes. Yeah, I remember playing with that on Gran Turismo. Yeah. Uh, back in the day. Yeah. So that was always one of my go-to cars. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, they say that you can't be a proper petrol head till you've had an Alpha, but um, so in that regard, I'm not a proper petrol head because I haven't had one. But um, you know. I'd have, I'd have a quadfolio. That's a yeah. nice car. Very nice. Got, I think it helps now that their um, reliability is definitely a lot better than what it, what it once was. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Same with Ducati on motorbikes. You know, you used to go out in those and in the wet and things, the electronics that die. Just what you want while you're riding, I guess. When I went down to my dad's, um, he's, a, he's a very big biker and he's got, um, he just had to sell, he had a bandit. He had to sell a bandit due to, health reasons it was too heavy for him to ride but he's got a a zrx and he's got i I can't remember the name model because i'm not overly like i like bikes but i'm not as clued up as any cars and he's got an aprilia and yeah uh, yeah. he booted up the aprilia the day and i was like fucking hell that's loud yeah they they sound really 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 good i know he's got an rsv4 factory back in the day i would love one of those um it's just the, the engines. Yeah. There's something like I guess there is something a little bit naughty, isn't there, about bikes compared to cars? I mean, bikes are fine. It's you know, if everyone was a biker, it wouldn't be an issue. I think it's just because that you, you know, 
they move a little bit faster. They're a lot smaller. It's harder to see them. Um, and, you know, other people are distracted while they're driving. And a, a small distraction in a car can really cause you some dramas when you're on two wheels. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I've nearly been knocked off several times, especially on the, on the school run. So I used to commute in Bristol on my motorbike and there'd be distracted parents, uh, you know, just drift ever so slightly across and that's where I am. Yeah. It's, a, it's a real issue, you know. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's all in the name of fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely great. Uh, so we've had near enough an hour or so. So, and obviously, I am totally aware that you're a busy man, kids, and the businesses to run. So I'll start to sort of kind of draw this to a close a little bit because I'm sure yeah, there's right. plenty more that we could talk about, but we can always get <laughs> back for that. Um, so I usually have a segment on the podcast where I ask all the guests the same three questions and it's always interesting to see everybody's different answers. And so the first question is you are on a desert island, money, no objects. You can have one guitar, one pedal and one amp. And what are you taking with you? Ooh. Uh, pedal, I would probably take my peacekeeper because it goes with everything. Amp, ooh, Soldano SLO 100 or Cornford MK50. Oh, they're both good shouts. You, I think you're the first person I've spoken to that's ever mentioned a Cornford. Well, in that case, I would choose a Cornford. I've got both, so I'll go with a Cornford. I'd MK50. love to have tried one of the Richie Cuts and early prototypes of a Cornford. Oh. If you can pick one up, the RK100 is awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the answer to guitar-wise. Oh, probably my... There's so many good builders so like, that I like. Um, I'll probably take my Seth Backus hollow body. In fact, I'm going to go and get it because... Do it. I'm, I, I always like to see gear showing off on these podcasts. So here we go. Apologies to those that are listening to the podcast. Ooh. I'll describe it. It's a semi-hollow body. Uh, it's purple flame. It's one piece top, one piece back. It's got a little... Is that a maple top? Uh, yes. It's got a uh, mother of pearl astronaut on the back. Uh, it's oh, got a flame maple neck. That looks like a huge neck. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Seth Backus, it's not focusing, it's focusing on me. There you go. Uh, there you go. That's beautiful. There you go. So anyway, that is uh, probably the guitar I choose because it's very versatile. That looks like it would be right at home in uh, Danish Pete's little corner with his Dane, the uh, the DP. Right, so me and Pete are weird and we both have purple guitars. In fact, I, I just got a seven string and it's exactly the same seven string. Like, literally didn't know anything about it. And he was like, oh, yeah. I've oh, just got the, this. Um, the head. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, yeah. I know, we just got the same guitar. I was like, oh, amazing. Oh, uh, I've got two ESPs and I love them. Big fan. They're good guitars. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there you go. There's my three. That's that's a cushy little desert island rig. Yeah. We've got power on this island. Of course. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah, this right. is one plug outlet, so you've got to make the most of it. Oh, amazing. How handy. <laughs> uh, the second question is, what are you listening to at the moment on your preferred streaming service? Uh, 
Oh, well, uh, we're talking music because at the moment I'm listening to lots of ebooks. So I'm currently listening to Tom Clancy, uh, Cardinal okay. of Kremlin. But if we're talking music, I tend to have a uh, playlist focused on sort of uh, Stone Sour, Slipknot, uh, Rammstein, that sort of thing. As, as you said, Rammstein, because I play like in a Rammstein tribute band. Ah, yes, Ramlide. Yes, Ramlide indeed. Or lead. Yes, very nice. My baby. Very cool. I've, I've got one of the silver ones as well. Again, listeners, I, I apologise. <laughs> They're cool. My babies. My absolute babies. Ramstein with the hoggies and I picked up a guitar in the end. Ah, well, I saw them live in uh, Milton Keynes. Uh, yeah, I was at the show as well. It was incredible. It really was. Um, and, we, and we're seeing them again, but um, when they start touring again, we've got tickets. I was, I was meant to be seeing him in Berlin last week. Oh, no. Yeah, that's a, as you can imagine, my heartbreak again for the second year in a row. <laughs> um, it's, that's a nice little mix of very new metal, industrial sort of vibe. I like what I like, you know, it's... Uh, I, I guess you say if you send like the drum and bass and sort of the techno side of things in, stuff like Rammstein, I guess, like Nine Inch Nails and whatnot yeah. would, would lend itself to that. It just needs to move me more than anything else. I like music that's got a bit of passion behind it. We need a Thorpey-style industrial pedal, that's what we need. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Last of all, where can people find out more about you? Uh... Only fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to pay for this. Um, I'm sure there will be. Um, www.thorpeyfx.com. That's our website. Uh, follow us on Instagram. It's probably best because I do things on that daily, um, and you, you know, tease things and all the rest of it. I'm back I'm to fans again. I think. <laughs> I'm always looking on Thorpe FX. I'm always seeing the Instagram stories and all the posts. Seeing the same lot of the uh, the Doppler at the moment going around on there. So yeah, Thorpe, it has been fucking wonderful having you on. It's been such a laugh. Oh, thanks, man. And uh, yeah, I hope I haven't bored you. No, absolutely. <laughs> I could have happily kept this going for another two hours and not had a problem, but I think people would probably even struggle to listen to three and a half hours of us talking along. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I appreciate you taking the time out, man. Thank you very much. My pleasure. All right. Have a good evening. And yourself. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck with the Angry Rhubarb and Thorpey Effects in the future. All right, man. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.